The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. I know him. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pot of thunder and rock and roll and Christmas is Monday, so let's see what Duff McKagan's got loaded up in his big sack of jokes for the highly anticipated joke of the week. <laughs> Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling you here. Uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, listen, my wife got me a uh, universal remote for Christmas. Yeah, that changes everything. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Well... It's all in the delivery, and of course, Duff delivers every week. A little holiday cheer from our favorite Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, Duff McKagan. Uh, we're wishing Duff, Susan, and his daughters a very Merry Christmas, and we're wishing all of you a very Merry Christmas as well. Uh, and if you got some Christmas cash burning a hole in your pocket, pick up Duff's new solo album. It's called Lighthouse. It's got a bunch of special guests on it, Jerry Cantrell, Slash, Iggy Pop. You can get it wherever you buy or stream music. All the details at Duff online.com all right you can also drop some of your holiday cash on tickets if you're in the uk to fozzy's upcoming spotlight on the uk tour just go to fozzyrock.com we're starting friday february 16th in newport wales and wrapping up february 26th in northampton england doing our legendary vip meet and greets at every show we'll meet you take pictures with you sign whatever you want hang out we'll play a mini set for you we even let you sing if you want to you can do all of that uh, check all the information at fozzyrock.com but today, Jeff Belanger returns to celebrate the scariest, most deadly holiday of the year. No, it's not Halloween. It's Christmas. It's true. And Jeff will make the case as to why Halloween is a distant second when it comes to creepy, violent and dangerous holidays. He's got a new book out, The Fright Before Christmas, Surviving Krampus and Other Yuletide Monsters, Witches and Ghosts. It's a lot of fun. You got to check it out. I'm actually looking through it right now. You'll find out the real reasons why we put up Christmas trees, string up lights, hang stockings, and exchange gifts at this time of year. It actually has nothing to do with Santa Claus or even religion. Much more darker themes are the reason. Jesus talks about how the birth of Jesus became associated with Christmas. Uh, even though he doesn't feel that it was on December 25th, he talks about why we celebrate on December 25th and how monsters, goblins, ogres, and witches from other cultures in the world morphed into the merry season we celebrate now. He talks about a litany of Christmas Yuletide monsters, including Krampus, the elf-like Tom Ten, Karakan Kolas, the Grilla, and the Yule Cat. So much information here. 
Naughty children beware, naughty adults too. It's a special Christmas talk is Jericho with Jeff Belanger, the fright before Christmas, right here, right now on Talk is Jericho. Merry Christmas. Oh, yeah. All right, so returning here to uh, Talk is Jericho, uh, Jeff Belanger is here. Um, after talking about ghosts and climbing uh, <laughs> Mount Kilimanjaro, you're finally back to uh, to Earth here with a new book, which fits this perfect Yuletide season. It's The Fright Before Christmas. And uh, you're always coming up with cool ideas to, to write about and speak about. How did this kind of uh, come into your wheelhouse? So it was about 10 years ago, and I was hanging the wreath on my front door early one December day. I live in Massachusetts. It was a cold day, and my fingers were numb, and the lights weren't working, and the little plastic, the little wire I was using to hang it on my door knocker <laughs> broke. It was plastic wreath too, plastic berries, plastic everything, you know, right. and it broke and it hit the ground. And I was just like frustrated. I was over it. And I'm like, why am I doing this? You know, like why December 25th? Why Santa Claus? Why the evergreens? Why the Christmas tree? Why the lights? Why do we spend so much money? Why do we go into Hawk? Why, 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 why? I'm a ghost guy. Halloween's my season, you know, like that's where I'm most at home. But then I was like, why do we do all that? And then I thought about that Andy Williams song, you know, there'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmas. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> ghost stories, what the hell is he talking about? And so I started this deep dive. And Chris, I learned that uh, if you're into creepy and spooky stuff, Halloween is only the second scariest holiday of the year. And it is a distant, distant second. Christmas by far uh, is the most deadly, frightening, dark, creepy holiday of the whole entire year, we just sort of lost our way. But I think, I think we're finding our way back because these monsters are returning and there's a lot of them. Halloween could, could scare you. I get it. Ghosts are scary. Christmas could kill you. We're being hunted by monsters. It's interesting to say that because obviously, you know, we're going to talk about the Krampus. The Krampus has kind of become a thing now again uh, because of the movies and all that sort of thing. But but there's a huge legend about the Krampus. But more importantly, like Halloween is marketed as the scary season. Christmas is marketed. And listen, you know, if, if you read the Bible and are a Christian, what Christmas is, is completely separated from the birth of Jesus Christ. It's funny. I was just in Vietnam and they're obsessed with Christmas. There's Christmas everywhere. There's Vietnamese Christmas disco playing in all the taxis. And I'm like, Vietnam, not known for being uh, the number one Christian country in the world, but it's all about Christmas, Christmas, Christmas from the marketing standpoint. But what you're saying is there is a lot of monsters and superstitious uh, themes behind Christmas as well. So it turns out the birth of Jesus has almost nothing to do with Christmas. I mean, you can celebrate that, sure. But in the Bible, we only get one clue as to when Jesus was born. It's in the chap in Luke chapter two, where it says shepherds were out sleeping by night, uh, watching over their flock. In Bethlehem, they only did that in spring, summer and fall, which means the only season you can rule out is winter. That's okay. I mean, it's it's not critical. But how did we get to December twenty fifth? You know, I mean, and and there's there's a path to that. Right. There's a reason. Jesus was born a commoner. Christianity hinges on the Easter story. Literally, everyone's born, but death and resurrection, nobody does that. So if you're a Christian, Easter is supposed to be your big holiday. But we all lost the memo, right? Because <laughs> right, because like Christmas is huge. You know, Christmas is the biggest consumer holiday in America and in many other countries as well. We've sort of associated the two, but originally what all this fuss was about always for literally many, many thousands of years is the winter solstice. 
That's what the whole thing hinges on. It is the shortest day. It's the longest night. Winter's coming. It's the season to be afraid. It's going to get cold, dark, frightening. Do you have enough food to get through the winter, enough fuel to burn to keep warm? Will your family be safe? Will you keep your sanity? Will you make it until spring? And it's a time to let bygones be bygones. We get together, we give each other gifts, we drink and we're merry because we know we might have to lean on each other to get through this brutal, brutal season. Well, it's funny too, because you talk about this time of year, you know, you go to the Nordic countries and you mentioned it's, you know, nighttime for 18 hours a day. You go to Alaska, it's nighttime for 22 hours a day. It's cold. It's kind of depressing. It really is not the uh, happiest time of year. If you're thinking about the birth of Christ and this is what we're celebrating, it should be, you know, on July 4th when you can go to the beach and hang out and do a barbecue. Not necessarily the case when it's snowing and and dark at five o'clock in the afternoon. That's exactly right. And in that darkness, there are monsters lurking and all over the world, especially the Nordic countries, especially where you're you're really facing tough, cold winters, you know, further north you go, where, where parents would tell their children the stories of these monsters that are literally lurking out there in the shadows. Because if your kid gets lost in the mountains with, with like you said, 20 hours of darkness a day, yeah. if they die from exposure or die because they were eaten by the gorilla monster who came down from the mountains, what's the difference? <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, this is the time of year we stay inside, we stay safe, we stay together uh, because the the creatures, the elemental monsters are coming down to collect their rent. And that's <laughs> their time now. And we got to stay safe. And that's what all this comes from. So you start uh, thinking about writing a book on this and where, where, where do you, uh, where do you begin? So it's, it started with Krampus because let's face it, he's the sexiest. He got the movie deals. He's the biggest, you know what I mean? He's, he's entering pop culture. Right. And a lot of that's on the back of the internet too, right? Like there are villages all over the world that have been celebrating these various monsters and things. But once the internet starts spreading it out and people go, hey, that's cool. I want that too. Krampus isn't isn't confined to Austria and Germany anymore. You know, he can spread to America and Canada and, and Australia, wherever. And because it's fun, you know, cosplayers are like, I could make a costume like that. It spiders out from there and you learn there's a lot more monsters and you learn there's a lot of history to this. And then, I, you know, I was asking too, like about the evergreens, you know, why, why the evergreens? Why do we go through all that fuss? And our, our Nordic ancestors used to look out on the winter landscape and they saw that winter kills everything. Mm -hmm. It kills the grass, it kills the flowers, it kills the trees, it kills the ponds and the lakes. They're frozen solid, right? Everything's dead except the evergreen. The evergreen, for some reason, is stronger than winter. It must be magical. There's no question about it. So you take the branches and you put them over your doors and over your windows that those prickly needles will keep the bad spirits and the bad cheer outside and keep the good cheer inside like a porcupine. (laughs) That's where it comes from. And you hear sounds in the winter that you don't hear the rest of the year. Maybe it's just the wind, you know, whipping through those naked trees, or maybe it's the shrieking cries of spirits being chased down by the Norse god (laughs) Odin as he rides through on his wild hunt, you know, chasing him down. And so you need the evergreens around your house to protect you. And you bring the tree inside to remind you, hey, this tree's stronger than winter. I can be stronger than winter. I can get through it too. And it becomes this symbolic thing. And one of the most colorful (laughs) traditions I had found um, in, in those same regions, when you're out hunting in the winter trying to make a kill, if you're lucky enough to bag a deer or an elk, you, you pull the entrails out and you drape the intestines around a nearby evergreen as an offering. Uh, number one, it's an offering to the tree. But number two, it's also so other animals can pick it clean and they too can survive the winter. 
And I want you to think about that if you're ever stringing popcorn around your Christmas tree. <laughs> the original garland was guts, intestines, dripping, smelly, awful stuff. Wow. I didn't know that. Because you see that, like, I, I just watched uh, American Horror Stories of, of a crazy Santa that kills some, you know, bad people and then decorates the tree with the entrails. So you're saying that's what it used to be. That's where it started. That's the traditional Christmas. So if you want to have a traditional Christmas this year, use deer entrails instead of garland. And, <laughs> and when people walk in and go, what's that awful smell? You could say that's the smell of an authentic and traditional Christmas. You know what I mean? The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So what exactly is the Krampus then? Kind of explain what that is and tell us some stories about the this guy. Well, he's the Christmas devil. And, and so he's got horns and he's got a long forked tongue and he's wrapped in chains so you can hear him coming. And he's got a switch of sticks to beat naughty children. And he carries this basket or a sack. And he comes down on December 5th and he scoops up all the naughty boys and girls, brings them back to his mountain lair and he kills them. Jeez. So on December 6th, when St. Nicholas comes in, in Europe, December 6th is St. Nicholas Day. He's free to bring presents to all the good girls and boys because that's all that's left. <laughs> <laughs> the dirty work has been done. And, and, and people think like he's the anti-St. Nicholas or the enemy, but no, not at all. Like these guys are cohorts. It's good cop, bad cop. Sometimes they would even show up together. And you look at all these great old postcards and you could just do a Google image search for like Krampus postcards, 1800s, and you'll find dozens and dozens of them. Uh, you'll see sometimes he's with St. Nicholas and St. Nicholas is giving treats to the good kids and Krampus is snatching up the naughty ones. I mean, there was a real there was a real motivation to behave when you were a kid back then. It wasn't just like, you know, oh, you'll get coal and sticks in your stocking. It was no, no, no. You'll die. <laughs> Monsters will hunt you down. It's so crazy. Like you said, they come and take uh, all of the uh, the evil children away which leads the you know, the good children to be to be safe, right? Yeah, it's a motivator, right? So we, we've lost the consequence over time. Like when Santa rose to prominence, and this is really like the 1920s or so, 30s, when Santa got big, we really pushed all these monsters away because Christmas became about consumerism and we can't have Krampus. And, and by the way, there's a lot of others out there. There's this Belschnickel and Grilla. And, well, we'll get into all those, yeah. Yeah. So they were sort of pushed into the corners because it had to be about, no, no, be happy, spend, 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 buy stuff. Uh, don't think about any sort of consequences. And then that's where we sort of lost our way. But like I said, I think it's, I think they're all coming back. Well, it's it's like a, a, a Christmas rapture where they, you know, the, the bad people are taken away and the good the good kids are left. But this kind of all translated into Santa Claus, except for killing the bad children the bad children just don't get presents well right or a coal and sticks or whatever right i mean that, right, that yeah 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 yeah, yeah that, that was the consequence for bad behavior much much later it, but but it used to be no no your your life is in peril and in those other countries where that's there's still cohorts right in france and germany and austria and, and all kinds of european countries there's a there's always a counterpart to saint nicholas who comes to to regulate, who comes to do the punishment, whether it's maybe just a beating, if you're lucky, or if you're just beyond hope, they snatch you up and take you away. And this is based in Europe, the Krampus? 
Yeah, Krampus is, was was born in uh, Austria and Germany, and uh, but he spread. He's there's Krampus runs now all over the U.S. and and in other in Canada and other countries because it's fun because it's spread. And and you know Krampus has gotten a little soft. If we're being honest, the, the Krampus runs today they don't uh, snatch up children and kill them. They just <laughs> hit you with a switch of sticks in your legs to to sort of ward out the the bad spirits and the bad cheer. You know it's it's funny though because even just the whole concept of Christmas, and we'll talk more about about some of the other monsters that that you've written about. But the whole concept of Christmas is creepy because you're talking about this chubby, jolly, white bearded guy who breaks into your house, leaves presence at his discretion and then leaves, right? Like yeah. the whole concept of that is creepy. Like you're, you know, allowing this guy in dress, which is why I love, you know, tales from the crypt where the little girl lets the evil murderous Santa in. Cause that's what you're supposed to do. Like if I was a serial killer psychomaniac, I would dress as a Santa Claus knowing that the kids will probably want you in the house. You're planting a lot of seeds right now, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> People out there going, that is a good idea. Don't try this at home. Don't talk as Jericho please, listeners. Please, please don't uh, try this at home. Yeah, no, of course. And and the thing about Christmas is it's sort of always been this like packaged nostalgia. It's been uh, something that we come up with and, and are it's sold to us every year, whether it's your family traditions, the traditions around you. Movies have, of course, a big influence on that. Yeah. Entertainment and art and so on. But at the root of all of it is that it used to be a time for ghost stories. You know, in, in the mid 1800s, Victorian era, everyone sat around and told ghost stories. And the point was, I mean, how how can you be redeemed? How can you see the light unless you get into a really dark place? You know, when you're at the beach sipping Mai Tais on July 4th, you don't need to see the light. Light's everywhere, you know? Right. But when it's December 21st, when it's the winter solstice and it's cold and you're scared and there's monsters closing in who could be here to kill you, only then can you say, okay, time to get right. You know, I got to be a good neighbor because <laughs> I might need you. I, I might need food. I might need shelter. It's It's... You can see the light when you have a scare. And I think that's what was sort of inherent about this holiday forever, for many, many, many centuries. And only sort of recently did we push that away. And that's at our peril. We need these these monsters and these stories and these ghosts around because it's the only way we're going to get scared into change. So we mentioned the Krampus, which is obviously, like you mentioned, the, 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 the top build Christmas monster. Uh, what else did you find when you were exploring some of these uh evil creatures of, of the Yuletide era. So I think the most frightening by far, even more than Krampus, although she doesn't have a movie deal yet, over in Iceland, they have the Grilla. And the Grilla is this mountain troll with 13 tails, and she comes down on the winter solstice. Unlike Krampus, who's only looking for naughty kids, Grilla doesn't discriminate. Any kids out there lost are going to get snatched up, dragged back to her lair, cut up into a stew, cooked and eaten. <laughs> she's wildly popular. Um, you know, she's like she's an ogre. Right. And when people first settled Iceland, the Europeans came there. There were no people yet. Right. I mean, the, the, island, the island had been covered by an ice sheet, you know, for thousands of years. And then that receded. And then there were some animals and there were trolls and imps and fairies and magical creatures. And as the humans came in, those creatures had to go up into the mountains and get sort of displaced. But they come down on the solstice and, and Grilla's the queen, but there's others. And they come down. And, and if you land in the Reykjavik airport, you know how we have mall Santas? You know, you take to get your picture with the mall. Yeah. There's a big cauldron with a with a, a giant ogre stirring it and you can get in her cauldron that's the grilla and you can take pictures like with the grilla <laughs> it's their own pop culture you know uh yuletide figure and and at Reykjavik, right there's four hours of sunlight at the solstice you're looking at about four hours of sunlight if you go further north it's even less 
So it's a dangerous time. See, once again, you, 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 all of these uh, Nordic countries have their own specific creatures. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, and, and hey, there's a lot of crossover too, right? There, there's some that sound a lot like Krampus or, or various versions because when you're talking about Europe, it's not that far to travel for a legend. You know, a few hundred miles over the span of centuries is nothing. You know, stories travel, people relocate and they bring their stories with them uh, and they bring their monsters with them because there's, there's a reason for it. So I get killing children is, is really awful <laughs> to most people. <laughs> so there, there's also like sort of like Krampus light from Germany and Austria too. There's, there's the Belschnickel. Belschnickel is Nicholas in furs. He's covered in furs. He's got a sooty, dirty face and he carries a switch of sticks. And each community would have one. So like it could be my year to be the Belschnickel. And, and I would come to your house and I'd knock on the door and I would say, Chris, any naughty kids in here? And you might point over to one and say, she's been all right, but, but him not so much. And I'd take your naughty kid out back and I'd tie him to a tree and I'd just beat his ass with the sticks. <laughs> <laughs> and then he could sort of get right and still get some presents in time for Christmas. And then next year might be your turn to beat the bell snickle. You come to my house and beat my kids. It's really kind of beautiful <laughs> if you think about it, you know? <laughs> I think the uh, the uh, parents are just making this stuff up as they go as an excuse to beat their children or not give them presents. <laughs> it, it was a it was a tougher time back then for sure. We've we've gotten a little bit soft, and Belschnickel's making a comeback too. Uh, he's starting to show up in pop culture. The, remember The Office? Of course. Uh, Dwight Schrute dressed up as the Belschnickel for the Dwight Christmas episode. He was covered in furs and had the switch of sticks. And then two years ago, Christmas Chronicles two on Netflix with Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell. Yes, the bad guy, the the kid in the the black leather jacket and the black hair was called Belschnickel. Mm. So yeah, that's know. right. I remember yeah. that. That those movies are actually really good. If you guys are looking for a good Christmas movie, uh, Kurt Russell plays a great Santa Claus. Yeah, they are great. They're great. And and uh, you might recall too in that movie there was a giant cat with Belschnickel. That was the Yule cat, also from Iceland. Tell us about the Yule cat. So the Yule Cat in Iceland, on December 25th, on Christmas Day, you need to be wearing new clothes. This is critical. You have to have worked hard all year enough to be able to earn enough money to wear new clothes. And then you, sh you show the Yule Cat that you have new clothes, you'll be okay. If you don't have new clothes, the Yule Cat will kill you and eat you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So now if you're poor, you're screwed too. Hasn't that always been the case? <laughs> yeah, good call. <laughs> I mean, you know. But now it's official. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was it. You work hard, get new clothes, you'll be all right. And and that I'm sure that's not bad for the economy either. So, once again, you've got all these monsters. Is there any tales that you have? Like, there's so much. This book is massive. There's so many things that you've talked about here. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's so many more, too. Right? Uh, Bulgaria gave us this shape-shifting Bigfoot who lives underground and comes out uh, during the 12 days of Christmas, which, is, of course, is Christmas Day and 12 days after that he's a subterranean shapeshifter. So he comes out of the ground at night and he's going to try to jump on your back and clot you until dawn. But he's a shapeshifter. He can look like anyone or anything. So mm -hmm. if there's a knock at your door and it's Anne Ethel with that horrible casserole that she makes, <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe it's her or maybe it's the Karakonkalis and you just better not let her in. You know what I mean? What's it called? The Karakonkalis? Karakonkalis. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Every, every country has some sort of uh, tradition that's tied to it. And the thing that's amazing to me is that if you look at all these traditions, right? So we still put up Christmas trees. We still put wreaths on our doors. We still put up evergreens. We put up lights. Uh, we feast. We make merry. We give gifts. All of this comes from so many different cultures and countries 
this holiday used to be completely inclusive of everybody. Didn't matter what you believed or didn't believe, like the winter solstice affected everyone. Hmm. So we we give each other gifts. And it was only much, much later that, uh, and in fact, like Christianity was at war with Christmas for most of its existence, you know, ever since 336, when the Emperor Constantine decreed December 25th will be the, the birth of Jesus until really only the last like century or so, Christians were upset with it because it was literally pagan. It is pagan. It's Saturnalia. It's Yule. It's midwinter. It's all these festivals. But those pieces sort of shine through uh, no matter what label you want to slap on it. And and that's what I love about this is like, if you want to make it completely religious, you can have at it, right? That you can celebrate the birth of Jesus any day you like, mm. but you can also make it really secular. You can just make it a party, uh, which is how it was born. It was born because, hey, the, the harvest is in, we've made the beer, we've made the wine, we've slaughtered the animals, there's fresh meat, and we're going to just get together and throw a big old party before we have to hunker down for the winter and hope that we survive until the spring. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So you still believe that Jesus was born in whatever calendar on December 25th? No, absolutely not. You don't. Okay. So what do you think? Oh, I, I, I think if you believe the Bible, he was not born on December 25th, guaranteed. Uh, he was not born in the winter. And that's according to Luke chapter two. So the birth of Jesus, if it was important that we knew the day, the Bible would have told us. But Jesus was born a commoner. And back then, commoners didn't keep track of their birthdays. Only kings did that. Only nobility. Hmm. So Jesus was supposed to have come from nothing. That's a critical part of the story, is that he's a commoner born to a meager family that rose to, to greatness because of, of who he is and the miracles he performed. Again, the Easter story, that defines Christianity. Everyone's born, but dying and resurrecting, that defines a Christian, not, not the birth story. It was made December 25th in, by the Emperor Constantine in Rome, who, uh, who was trying to unify Rome under one religion. He had converted to Christianity, and he said, if I'm going to sell Jesus to the masses, like he needs to be a king. He needs to be a king of kings. And that's when he knew the perfect day for that birthday would be December 25th, because in the Julian calendar, that was the winter solstice. Interesting. That was the day. That was Sol Invictus. That was the day uh, that they celebrated Sol Invictus, but also the sun starts to return. So while it's the shortest day, starting the next day, the sun starts to come back a little by little each day. And so that was the day he landed on the birth of Jesus. And that's where it's stuck. Even though there's no biblical reference, it's not even biblically important, you know, theologically important or otherwise, that's where it landed. And in fact, in the 1600s, the Puritan government of England banned Christmas, literally banned it. Bandit in Boston, bandit in England. We will work on that day. There'll be school. They'll, we'll be in session for parliament. And it was a five shilling fine. If you were caught dressing festive, giving gifts, making merry, drinking, celebrating, they called it a satanical practice. Satanical. Hmm. And a five shilling fine was like three days pay for the working class. 
that's that's a big fine if you're caught dressing in nice clothes and having a good time. Right. <laughs> right? That's pretty rough. So you're saying that, that they picked December 25th because of the date and the solstice and that stuff. And then also, too, it ties in, like you said, with we're making this beer and, and, and hunting the animals because we know it's the last day. It all kind of ties in like, well, it's a big celebration anyways. Why don't we make it Christmas? Right, exactly. And and it's right on the heels of Saturnalia, which is December 17th to the 23rd. What is Saturnalia? You keep mentioning that. Yeah, so Saturnalia was was where it all began in Rome. It was like a raging party. It was it was before there was Christmas, there was Saturnalia. And and you get to turn society on its ears. So like the masters would be the servants and have to serve their servants dinner, good food too, and and the servants would get away with stuff they would never get away with the rest of the year. Every household would have a Lord of Misrule, like a court jester who could make fun of everybody. Again, something you would never do any other time. And there was, you know, feasting and there were parties that just grew and grew into this gigantic festival. That That's really, really the way you think about like how we celebrate Christmas. That's what it was. It was a celebration of the harvest, the beer, the wine, the celebrating, all of that stuff. And then Saul Invictus was the 25th, the winter solstice. And then that when Constantine was trying to sell Jesus to the masses, he said, just keep the party going. <laughs> Six days of Saturnalia, one day for the hangover. And then boom, we're right back at it with the, the birth of Jesus. And, and that's something people could get behind. You're going to add to my party. All right, I'm in. Let's do this. It's amazing. So, yeah, that was where it started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 some of those traditions, the wreath, we get the wreath from the Saturnalia part, you know, uh, festivals and those things sort of flow through all the way into this modern time. Where does the concept of two things, giving presents and the stocking, where does the stocking is also presents as well. So where does the concept of of giving presents start? Where does that come from? Yeah. So if if we're neighbors and we live in a rough climate, maybe we've had our our differences over the summer and the the fall and so on, and we've had some beef or whatever. So we we throw this big party and I'm going to bring you a gift because we, we need to make amends. Because if something goes really wrong, you know, over the winter, I might be knocking at your door, Chris, and saying, my roof collapsed under the snow. Can you please take my family in? And you know, your roof could collapse too. It could be you that needs me. And so we really put our differences aside. We give each other gifts. We make amends. Uh, we're trying to atone and patch our, our differences because we might need each other here in the, the coming months. In the spring, we can get back to arguing. But for <laughs> now, <laughs> let's let's try to get along. The stockings came from uh, Nicholas of Myra, who was the Myra's modern day Turkey. And as Nicholas, of course, became Saint Nicholas. Right. He was he was born to a wealthy family. He was orphaned at a young age, uh, became a priest and spent his whole life just giving away his wealth. He opened orphanages and and, uh, helped other people. He gave dowries to the poor who, who didn't have any. And he was known to throw, uh, people would put their shoes and socks out to, to dry out. And he was known to, to drop gold coins and, and gifts and things into those shoes. And so once St. Nicholas's legend just grew and grew, that became the thing. Put your shoes out because you might get a present in there. And then eventually the spirit of who he is took over. And suddenly uh, other people were, were helping him out, <laughs> <laughs> helping, uh, helping with the spirit and, and spreading gifts and, and joy and good cheer and, and so on. And so the, the stockings became a, sort of like a, a connection to the shoes. It's interesting. There's a couple other terms, and, and I want to hear, obviously, you got a lot more to discuss, but there's a couple terms that I saw in your book 
that I'd never heard of. One of them was called Wassailing and the other one was called Mumming. Mummering. M- Mummery. You're a Canadian. You got to turn in your Canada card right now. <laughs> I t- we can talk about Boxing Day, but I don't know what Mummery is. Mummering. <laughs> M- mumming. Yeah, yeah, Mummering. So um, that's a Canadian thing, uh, which which really came over from England. And it's really more in the Maritimes. So you know that song, Here We Come a Caroling, and right? So the song is also sung, Here We Come a Wassailing. I thought the two were interchangeable. It turns out they are not. Caroling is like our modern day notion of you look outside and there's people singing on your front lawn and whatever. But wassailing was originally a group of people who would come and be hired by a farm, for example, and they would sing to the fruit trees in the winter and they would make loud noises and they would try to scare the spirits away. And it was like a blessing for the fruit trees or for your animals. And you would give them this warm punch that had alcohol in it, but not too much. You don't want to get people drunk. You just want to right. keep them warm. <laughs> and so they would go from farm to farm and house to house. And they it was, it was like a, a beggar's night, you know, and they would get punch and drinks and libations, sometimes money. And they would go and, and sing these blessings uh, house to house. That tradition turned into mummering. And in Canada, in the Maritimes, especially of Canada, it was eventually outlawed because it got out of hand, but it's back. So you would disguise yourself. You might like put this weird mask on your face. You might dress as a woman or, or a, a woman might dress as a man and, and bulk up and you have musical instruments. They have something called an ugly stick, which is a big old stick with a bunch of like beer tabs nailed into it that you can <laughs> shake and, and rattle. And you sing door to door and the people try to guess who you are. So you disguise your voice. And if they, do, if they guess who you are, then, you know, yay for them. If not, they give you a treat like cookies. And of course, the, the most important part is they give you alcohol. Right. So <laughs> so <laughs> if you start mummering at uh, like five o'clock in the evening, come midnight, you're just, you're wasted, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Hence the Canadian context, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're going from door to door to door and and you're seeing people. And, and also, you know, imagine just a couple centuries ago, a lot of factories were water powered. And so come winter and you need a lot of windows so you can see what you're doing. And, and so when it's too dark and when the water freezes, everybody gets furloughed, everybody's laid off and they can't work until the spring. And so those same people would go begging to their boss's house saying, hey, you're rich. We're stuck here for the next few months. Give us some good stuff. They'll sing. But it's not just a song. It's also sort of like a veiled threat bring us some figgy pudding and bring it right now. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, okay, you know? Uh, So it became like a steam valve, right? Christmas is, it it still is to some extent. I mean, think about people that get year-end bonuses at their jobs or or where they work or whatever. Some people get abused all year long. And if you get a decent bonus, you know, you're like, "Ah, all right, I'll stick with it. I'll take another year of this crap. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you've been greased come the holidays. Yeah, or if you get the jelly of the month club, you kidnap your boss and tie him up. (laughs) Exactly right. You're like, this is not okay. I said figgy pudding, and you brought out the crap, and I won't have it. All right. So now we get violent. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What is the um, is the origin and kind of the, the evolution of, of Santa Claus? 
Well, he started as St. Nicholas, of course. Right. A real person born in Myra, Turkey, died in, in uh, I think it was 330, on December 6th, 336 AD. That's the day of his death. And that's the day he's venerated. He was the people's saint. It, it was years later that the church had to make him a saint because people were naming churches after him already. Uh, he was so well known for giving away all of his wealth, but he also had a lot of miracles attributed to him. Really strange ones too. He's the patron saint of pawnbrokers, the patron saint of sailors, and of children. Okay, okay, let's back up. How is he the patron saint of pawnbrokers? Uh, you, you must not have been raised Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> if the Catholic saints, like they're never just one thing. Like every, there's a patron saint for any occupation. <laughs> I don't know about wrestlers, but there's got to be, right? Like, it reminds me of Spinal Tap, where Saint Hubbins is the patron saint of quality footwear. Yeah, that's right. That's right. There's a Catholic saint for absolutely everything. So, so he became the saint for children. And then the Dutch called him Sinterklaas. Sinterklaas, yeah. Yeah, and the Dutch came over to New York, which back then it was called New Amsterdam, and they brought him along. And uh, Sinterklaas eventually was Americanized to Santa Claus. But what is Sinterklaas? How does that relate to St. Nicholas? Saint is Sinter. Yeah, Saint and Nicholas. Yeah, St. Nick. Sinterklaas. Oh, like Nicholas. Klaus. Nick, yeah, yeah. Sinterklaas. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I get it. All right, I got it. So when they brought him over, uh, over in the United States, December 6th was not uh, was not really a day. It was not a saint's day. This was not really a Catholic country. And so December 25th became the day for Sinterklaas in New York, New Amsterdam, which then became Santa Claus. And that was the day that Santa started to bring the presents. He really started to come into his own, though, in like the latter half of the 1800s. First, it was Clement Moore wrote a poem. I mean, a yeah. banger, right? Like an absolute banger called Twas the Night Before Christmas. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that got published in like every newspaper in the country. And that really defined him. Uh, Harper's Magazine started putting um, depictions of what Santa Claus looks like. And he just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then he, and then he exploded during the Great Depression because, you know, we were, we're in a bad way. And the thing about an economic depression or a recession is that the only way out is to spend money, ironically. And if you don't have money, how do you spend it? And if you do have a little bit of money, your every instinct is to sort of save it. But the Coca-Cola company said, hey, let's really blow this Santa Claus character up. And they used him one year to sell Coke and it worked. <laughs> and so when you, when I, if I, if I say close your eyes and picture Santa Claus, what you're picturing in your head right now was really delivered to you by the Coca-Cola company. And, you know, the big red suit, the fluffy hat, the, the white trim, the big white beard, the big jolly man, that was really uh, Coca-Cola. <laughs> and the year after, anyone who sells anything, right, whether it's donuts or pizza or cars or whatever, they were like, wait a minute, Coca-Cola doesn't own Santa Claus. We could use him too. Hmm. And suddenly, imagine getting the world's biggest celebrity to endorse your product for free. Right. And suddenly, America's getting out of the Great Depression. We moved Thanksgiving to the fourth Thursday in November because retailers needed more time to shop for, for Christmas. And, and that's good for the economy. That's good for America. And that's when all the monsters had to get pushed aside, pushed back into the, the, the dark corners because Christmas became about consumerism off the back of Santa Claus, off the back of we got to get out of the depression. Wow. And uh, and we got to make Christmas about spending money, lots of it, as much as you possibly can to get retail, you know, in the black for the year. That's unbelievable. Like you said how it all became about consumerism, you know? Yeah. And of course, it still is to a large degree. And I know you're a dad, I'm a dad, right? You, you can't help it. You want to like spoil your kids. You love them and you want to sh show them with presents uh, sometimes. 
And we all get sort of caught up in that. Grandparents do it, friends, neighbors, everybody, uh, the Christmas parties, everything else. But at the same time, you're allowed to take it back, you know, at any time you want. And I was thinking too, you know, when I, when I was a kid, you know, I didn't grow up with Krampus. I'm not German, but like I have German American friends and they, they're like, I don't never heard of Krampus until very recently. But I was thinking about it. And I was like, Chris, think back to your childhood. Krampus was in your childhood too. He, he looked a little different. Ah, interesting. The Grinch. The Grinch. The Grinch. Wow. He was green, covered in fur. He didn't have horns, but the, the, they would turn into horns. And he lived in a mountain cave above Whoville. And he was grumpy and angry and, and, and furious. And did Dr. Seuss rip him off? Absolutely. <laughs> That's interesting, man, that, that our version of Krampus would be the, the Grinch because it's the same thing. He's like trying to ruin Christmas, right? Yeah, well, he's going to, except Krampus was focused on the bad and Grinch just hated the whole damn thing. Right. He was anti-consumerism. <laughs> that's right. Maybe he was onto something. You know what I mean? Maybe that's why the story caught on because parents were like, yeah, I, I feel you, Grinch. <laughs> you know? It's another thing too about, about Christmas, you know, mentioning that we have kids and we're, we're parents. The whole concept of Christmas is based on a terrible lie that you tell your children to the point of putting out cookies and crushing up carrots on the ground because Rudolph showed up and the reports of the Santa and I have Santa's number in my phone. I'm going to call him if you're not good. And then you finally at some point just say, hey, guys, we're just kidding. It's all bullshit. And like, what a horrible revelation for a kid. Okay. I'm going to challenge you on this. Okay. I'm going to say there is a Santa Claus. I'm going to say the spirit of St. Nicholas turned Santa Claus, turned this collective conscious thing of what we believe in him has possessed me, has possessed you too. Like we have been possessed by this spirit. Come on, man. When your kids are real little and they explode with like- Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Come on. You're you're high as a kite. That's right? magic. It's magic. It is no other word for it but magic. And I regret nothing. If I could go back, I would do it all the same. Oh yeah, me too. I think I think every parent would, would, would say that. And you'd be a real jerk of a parent to go, hey guys, you know, you're two years old. Santa's not real. Like what, who, what kind of a parent would do that? And so when I was a kid, man, I, I, Santa, my mom went Christmas crazy, you know, like, yeah. and, and we didn't have a lot of money, but like she would, so Christmas, like she'd literally wrap as many things as she could for you. So I'd be like, yeah. oh, green jello. She's like, that's your favorite, right? I'm like, yeah, green jello is my favorite. But I'm, it was exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like look at all the presents I have. So like yeah. three of them are green jello. But uh, <laughs> at the same time, I was high on Christmas from like the time that the dessert fork hit the plate at Thanksgiving until like the ball dropped on New Year's. I was yep. just electric buzzing. And then as I got older, I got to be a teenager, you know, maybe a week before Christmas. I was like, all right, this is kind of cool. And then forget it. You turn like in your 20s and it's just a hassle. And but then when I had a kid, it came back. You know what I mean? You were so excited to see it through their eyes. Yeah. And I felt I felt like I owe this to my kid. I owe myself to like lend myself to get possessed by the spirit of what this holiday could be and pass it on. And if you think about it too, I mean, I know I'm a ghost guy, a paranormal person, but everything you know about how you're supposed to feel about this holiday, if you think about it, was taught to you by a ghost story, the greatest possibly ever written by a man named Charles Dickens, mm. Christmas Carol, right? Right. That story defines it all. Scrooge has to go to a dark, dark place. He has to be haunted by four ghosts, right? First, Jacob Marley, his old business partner who tells him, dude, you're in a bad way and this is not gonna go well unless you go through this, this haunting. And then the ghost of Christmas past and present and future takes him through the gauntlet. And only when he gets down to that darkest part of his psyche, 
Can he wake up and be redeemed? Can he wake up and say, oh man, I can't live like this anymore. I don't want to live like this anymore. It's a burden. I want to help others and be a good guy and a good neighbor and a good boss. And that feels lighter and better. And then it's at the end of the story, right? Where Whether you watch Muppets do it or a, <laughs> right? or, or a movie or a play or you read the book, right? You, at the end of the story, you go, oh no, oh no, I know who Scrooge is. I figured it out. He's me. I'm Scrooge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting older and crankier and uh, humbug, right? And, and yeah. then you figure it out and you go, oh no. But if that dude can change, I don't know. Maybe I can too. That's our hope. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Uh, as we start to wind down here, there's a couple others that I want to bring up, and I'm sure you have a few more too. What exactly is the Tomton? Oh, my goodness. Oh, I don't have one nearby. But so the Tomton... Uh, I guarantee you, if you've ever walked into any craft store ever, you know, around uh, November, December, the Tompton is like all hat and beard and little body. And he's a helper <laughs> elf that that helps you around the house, help do some chores for you, but he'll also keep you on, on the right path. He'll, he'll poke you around, get you out of bed if you're being lazy, even known to slap you around a bit. And all he asks for a year of service is that on Christmas Eve, you leave out a bowl of sticky sweet rice pudding called the Riesengrot. And uh, if you do that, he'll eat it and he'll serve you for another year. The worst thing he can do <laughs> is leave you and then you'll have no help at all. I actually included the recipe in the book just in case you need just to, to make sure. <laughs> <you know. laughs> and, but what's funny is so like he, he watches your behavior. He's, you know, he's there to help. And if you think about it, I mean, the Tompton has been in a lot of our houses over the last decade or two, except now we call it the elf on the shelf. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Another creepy concept. The stupid thing fucking follows you around all over the place. I don't want this in my house. Have you seen some of the viral videos people have made where like they, they leave a camera running and like some dad went through some serious trouble, must have been up all night. Like he did stop motion and you see the, the elf on the shelf, like moving around the house and stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, the trouble we go through, right? To keep this magic alive. Right. And, and, and at the same time, I looked at that and I'm like, all right, that's beyond me, but I get it. You know, I totally get it. Of course, it. you understand why you'd want to do it. And that, that elf on the shelf became a thing because other kids have it. Why don't I have it? Yeah. And suddenly, you know, we've all been that that parent where you're just drifting off to sleep and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> I forgot that. <laughs> I got to move the... Oh, I'm so tired. <laughs> That's why you got to move them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a couple of those will throw at you. What about the Père Foutard? Père Foutard. Oh, sacré bleu. So in, in France, Père Foutard is the Christmas cannibal. Jeez. Absolutely horrible. So one of those... This is one of the St. Nicholas miracle stories. That's the backstory. Three kids are lost in a little French village and they see a light on in a little hut and they go in and that's the butcher shop, except the butcher shop's totally empty. There's nothing to sell. And they say, can we please take shelter till morning? Cause we got to find our way home. And the butcher says, sure, come on in. And he gets a horrible idea and he kills the children, cuts them into meat and puts the meat into salting tubs. And then St. Nicholas happens by gets a little spidey sense tingling, goes inside, sees all this meat, not only knows what it is, but but he knows who it is. And he's able to reconstitute the children back into life and they're going to be okay. And he tells that butcher, that cannibalistic butcher, 
from now on, no more killing and eating children. Now you work for me. You are Pere Futar, which means Father Whipper. And now you'll just beat the naughty children that I tell you to beat and no more killing them. And so he comes around on December 6th, uh, St. Nicholas Day. And I, I, I got to interview a French school teacher who teaches like first grade. And she said they show up together. So there's St. Nicholas with the big white beard and everything. And there's this dark, dastardly guy with like black beard. And he's got a switch of sticks and he's got a cloak on. And you don't know as a kid, man, you don't know which one's there for you the good guy or the bad guy. And you're just going through your whole year being like, was I good? Was I good enough? (laughs) (laughs) And so Père Futar still comes around. (laughs) There's another good one here. We played a festival in Netherlands years ago called Zwart Cross, which is Black Cross. I see Zwart Piet, Uh, which I'm assuming is Black Piet. Black Piet or yeah. What's what's his deal? That's a tough one, man. That he's going away. Uh, You're not going to hear about Black Peter much longer. Oh, he got canceled. He's absolutely canceled. What did he do? (laughs) (laughs) He, well, he was born in a children's book in like 1850 when the Dutch were uh, really huge in the slave trade and Black Peter became a a servant of St. Nicholas who would help him with uh, his rounds in, in Dutch culture. And that book, just even though when, when slavery was abolished in the United States, that pretty much killed the market over in the Netherlands and, you know, slave trade, of course, ended. But Black Pete continued to show up in holiday parades, but he was always, always depicted by a white person dressed in blackface. And that continues to this day. I mean, imagine, you know, and, and by the way, even though in, in the United States, that wouldn't go well for whoever wants to do that. No. And it's like that over there, too. I mean, it makes international news. So they're struggling over there. And I, I've, I've got some friends uh, in Amsterdam and they say, you know, this one argument that's like, it's just tradition. We don't mean anything by it. It's been around for 150 years. Can we just leave it alone? It's about the kids. Then you have a whole giant group of other people saying it's really, really racist. And it harkens to our slave trading past. Can we let this thing go? And so now there's a new character called Shorstan Piet, which is uh, Chimney Pete. <laughs> So he's just dirty, right? <laughs> he's just got black splotches on his face yeah. from the from the soot. <laughs> yeah, so he so dirty from going down chimneys. And then they also have rainbow peats. So if there's a black peat, there's going to be a red one, a green one, a yellow one, a blue one, you know, a green one, what whatever, right, you know. Right, right, right. And uh, but it's still it, it's a huge point of contention in that country. And I got to believe that in the coming years, they're just probably going to just do away with it because it, I, how do you say it's okay? You know what right, I mean? Right, 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 right. And that's the thing. And I'm like, wow, we have some of these same discussions in our country, you know, about like civil war era statues and things like that. Mm-hmm. How, how do you have this discussion? And, and so, you know, they're going through some similar discussions over there. That last one I'll bring up is La, La Bafana. Looks like a witch, some kind of a witch. Yeah, La Bafana is a, uh, the Italian Christmas witch. This is one, I mean, sign us <laughs> up, Chris. This one is is not creepy in that she flies through the sky uh, on, the, on the 5th of uh, January and she'll come down your chimney. She'll leave little treats in your kid's shoes. But the very best part of La Bafana is before she leaves your house, she cleans it, <laughs> which is just <laughs> like, how do we sign up for this? Right. You know what I mean? She cleans your house. In Italian culture, that's the 12th day of Christmas, uh, Epiphany Day. Mm. That's it. You know what I mean? The tree comes down. The decorations come down. People are just over They're it. Done. So that is yeah. the, it's the 12th day of Christmas. It is time to clean up, put everything away, 
and let's get back to business and, and back to, uh, you know, it's, it's like Boxing Day in Canada, right? But sure. It's just a little bit later. Last question for you, Jeff. Obviously, we've had a great conversation here and there's so many cool monsters and denizens in the Fright Before Christmas. Is there, is there one that stands out to you as your favorite or a story in the book that's your favorite? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to say this, but I'll have to say Krampus because I think he's becoming so popular that we need to ride that wave. Mm -hmm. My parents live in this little conservative town in Connecticut and actually going there today to, to give a talk in town about all this great stuff. <laughs> and I was there a few years ago and uh, I had on a Krampus shirt and this little old lady walked up to me and she said, who is that on your t-shirt? And I said, well, that's Krampus. And she said, I was at the town parade today and, and their town, small town parade was exactly whatever you're picturing in your head, you know, like <laughs> the, the marching band from the high school, the kids, you know, Santa on, on a flatbed truck, probably a fire truck with his lights on. <laughs> and then she said, there was this hairy monster with horns walking in the parade. And I went, oh, Krampus is here. <laughs> like Krampus made it into your little parade. I said, oh, man, this year, maybe there's two or three of them now. Right. right. I mean, and, and so he he begs the question when you see that, if you don't already know who he is because of the movie or, or pop culture or memes or whatever, if you don't know, he forces you to ask. Mm -hmm. And then if you ask, you could start yourself down this like rabbit hole, this this wonderful rabbit hole where you realize all these traditions come from darkness. But Krampus is he's not here to kill us. He's here to help us. Mm -hmm. He's here because. We need to be on the right moral path, right? He's he's our ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. He's our, our regulator that's coming to us to say, hey, I'm the consequence. I'm as bad as it can get. So why don't you get right, do right, give to charity, be kind to your neighbors, or you deal with me. Mm -hmm. That's been missing. For a hundred years, it's been missing. And I welcome him. Come on back, Krampus. We need you. And that's why he's coming back. That's why this Krampus society is all over and Krampus runs all over the world now. And and he's in this little parade in Connecticut and he's got movie deals and he's in <laughs> books and on T-shirts because we need him. We are literally summoning him and his story and everything he stands for. And I think this is great. This is getting us back to what the holiday was supposed to be. We all got to get through winter together. And so Krampus, if you can help, if you can help make us a little bit better people, I welcome that too. Well, I think I think it's right. Like you know, if if you have a god, you have to have a devil. If you have a Santa Claus, you have to have a Krampus. Damn I mean, right. It just adds to the whole story of Christmas and what we want, which is to be better to each other and and be cool to each other. And if not, Santa won't bring you presents, and the Krampus is going to come kill you. I mean, that's pretty cool. It's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> We're back, right? You know what I mean? That's like, right. We need this. We need this so badly. And it, it's when you, so now when I, when I know like all the history of all the holiday, I mean, I've been putting the lights up. I'm a dad. You know, you put the lights up, the wreath up, the tree up. You do that for your kids, for your neighbors. You don't want to look like the oddball, you know, or whatever. But, but now when I do it, it has some meaning. Mm. I actually make my own wreath now. I go in the woods and I'll, I'll cut evergreens. It's ugly. It looks like Charlie Brown made the thing, <laughs> but whatever, right? Like it's got some meaning. I put it up and I'm like, I want the bad cheer and the bad spirits to stay out of my house. I really do. And I put the lights up because I need to be a beacon. It gets dark early here. And if you lose your way in a snowstorm, I want you to be able to find your way to my home. It, it's got meaning. And, and it's not just doing it because my dad did it and my, my granddad did it. I'm doing it now because I'm carrying on traditions that go back thousands of years across many different countries and cultures, and I'm connected to something that's really, really primal. I think that's where the truth is. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like when you get down deep enough, you find that that thing, that truth, 
that that just resonates and that can carry you another year. Jeff, it's always great talking to you, man. You've always got such a myriad of subjects and look forward to seeing what you come up with next. Thanks, Chris. Great to be with you. And I, I hope my sincere hope for you is that you have the merriest and scariest of holiday you've ever had. <laughs> Merry Krampus. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers, dude. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, Santa, what's shaking, man?